0: Many of you have asked for it, and so I spent some of my paternity leave creating it, an introductory Stoicism course. The best part? I've launched it using Gumroad's pay-what-you-want model. So if you want to pay $0, you can get the course for free. That's right, free. Learn more and enroll in the course by going to understandingstoicism.com. That's understandingstoicism.com. all-in-one commerce platform to build, grow, and run their businesses. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial at shopify.com forward slash practical, all lowercase. That's one month for just $1 at shopify.com forward slash practical, shopify.com forward slash practical. Good morning, or again afternoon, Perkaptan. I hope you're well. Today, we'll be sharing Enchiridion 10, which reads as follows. With every accident, ask yourself what abilities you have for making a proper use of it. If you see an attractive person, you will find that self-restraint is the ability you have against your desire. If you are in pain, you will find fortitude. If you hear unpleasant language, you will find patience. And thus habituated, the appearance of things will not hurry you away along with them. Before diving in, I have to thank Jim, Rochelle, Ray, and Rachel a trifecta of our names this week for becoming new patrons of this show. You all make it possible for me to make a full-time living doing this work, which is necessary for me to continue doing it, frankly. And I'm sure you understand that. You wouldn't show up to your full-time job for free, I imagine, anyway. And I can't do that with mine either. So if you're interested in keeping me in the philosophy business, as it were, consider becoming a patron yourself at StoicismPod.com forward slash members. Otherwise, who knows? One day I might own a Longhorn Steakhouse or a car wash. Philosophers don't, as it turns out, unfortunately, have a lot of career opportunities outside of philosophizing. Not that I would mind owning a car wash. I kind of like car washes. They're soothing. Anyway, become a patron if you're not already. You'll get rid of ads and keep me out of the car wash business. Otherwise, it'll be just you, me, and the ads we're about to hear. See you on the other side. This episode is brought to you in part by Prize Picks, America's number one fantasy sports app with over 3 million members. They are, without a doubt, the easiest way to play. DFS. It's just you versus the numbers. You pick more than or less than on 2-6 to player stat projections and watch the winnings roll in. With the big game right around the corner, prize picks is the easiest and most exciting way to turn every game-changing moment into 100 times your money because with as little as 4 correct picks, you can turn $10 into $1,000. Offer expires post-Super Bowl. With quick withdrawals, easy gameplay, and an enormous selection of player and stat types, it's no wonder PrizePix is the number one daily fantasy sports app. I've got friends that use prize picks and they absolutely swear by it. So if daily fantasy sports is your thing, you've got to give prize picks a try. Go to prizepicks.com forward slash practical and use the code PRACTICAL for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepicks.com forward slash practical with code PRACTICAL for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize picks. Pick more, pick less. It's that easy. Hey there, Prekoptan. Welcome back from the barren wasteland of podcast monetization. I hope you've made it back to me unscathed and with your mortal soul intact, because you're going to need it to acquire virtue someday. Today, as I said at the outset, we're going over Enchiridion 10, which, again, reads as follows. With every accident, ask yourself what abilities you have for making a proper use of it. If you see an attractive person, you will find that self-restraint is the ability you have against your desire if you are in pain, you will find fortitude. If you hear unpleasant language, you will find patience. And thus habituated, the appearance of things will not hurry you away along with them. I love Ankeridion It is by far my favorite yet. We humans are big-time complainers. We see temptation, and we give in, and then we say, Oh, but the temptation is to blame. Or we get into a fender bender, and we think, Oh, why me? Or we are stressed out by a long and complicated emigration process from the US to the UK to be reunited with our pregnant wife, which is really just me complaining right now about my own experience. And we think, ugh, this is so frustrating. I shouldn't have to deal with this. And obviously, I'm not accepting myself from this kind of behavior. I complain far more than I should. I promise you. But since starting this podcast, I've been doing it a lot less. What I've come to believe is true is that all these things, car accidents, long, arduous journeys, obnoxious paperwork, temptation, unkindness by others, so-called bad luck, all of those things are like a nexus. And I'll try to flesh that out a bit. You know in old cartoons, when characters would be shown flying from one country to another, they would be shown as an airplane on a map, usually a treasure map as they traveled, and there'd be a dotted line or dashed lines as that plane flew across the map. And that would indicate their progress. One of the best examples of this that at least comes to my mind as being the best example, partially because I think it points to the complicated human experience, is from a Looney Tunes vignette, or maybe we just call it a series, I'm not really sure, Duck Dodgers and the 24th and a Half Century. And the scene I'm talking about is when Duck Dodgers, who's Daffy Duck, and his Porky space counterpart assistant, who is Porky Pig, are trying to navigate their spacecraft to Planet X. Now then, eager young space cadet, here is the course we shall pursue to find Planet X. Starting from where we are, we go 33,600 turbo miles due up. Then west in an astro arc deviation to here. Then following the Great Circle, seven radial loops south by down east. By Astro-Astrobo to here, here, and here. Then by Space Navigal Compass to here, here, and then to here, and here. By 13-point Stratocumulus bearing 4 million light years, and thus to our destination. Now do you know how to reach Planet X? May the podcasting equivalent of the FCC have mercy on my soul for sharing that without permission. Hopefully it falls under fair use, and if it doesn't, well, the firing squad from Warner Brothers arrives at dawn, and it's been nice knowing all of you. You can't see it, because a podcast is audio only, of course, but as Duck Dodgers is laying out this navigational plan, he's drawing a bunch of lines on a map of the galaxy. These lines twist and turn and circle back and double back and double circle, triple back, and so on, every now and then stopping at a star or a planet. The time between planets during our journey, or stars, are the times when we're navigating, we're moving through time, down the lazy river of fate, I guess, as it were. And there's not much to passing time, necessarily, but it is a time during which we can think and reflect and imagine how we might be better and learn about what being better actually means, so that when we get somewhere, we might be a little bit better at exploring that space, And if I'm losing you a bit, you're listening to this podcast as you pass time. But other times you might be reading a book, or you might be journaling, or you might just simply be sitting and thinking. But whatever you do, these sorts of activities between events in your life aren't much more than theoretical in their musings. You hear this podcast and you think, maybe it's useful. Perhaps you've learned something. You read a book and you think, maybe you'll apply that one thing you read to the next argument you get into. Or, while journaling, you realize something about the nature of your relationship with your father, and it makes you think you might approach your next conversation with him differently. And then you land on the planet, or reach the star, and those places represent the old adage of the rubber meeting the road. You've traveled from your last argument with your father to your next argument, and now you can use that information you read while navigating to this argument to navigate this argument differently, perhaps better perhaps in a way approaching virtuousness. But if you didn't land at the planet, star, or argument, you couldn't really implement these things you've been learning. You couldn't apply what you've realized, thought about, or learned. And I think that's what I'm saying, and maybe what Epictetus is saying as well. That these things that happen to us arguments with others car accidents spilt milk the death of loved ones are the nexuses at which we realize the only opportunity that exists to apply our highfalutin notions about virtue and character and appropriateness. That if it weren't for the things that tempt us emotionally challenge us or even physically challenge us, there would be no opportunity to exercise the knowledge we've acquired thus far. Without challenge, there is no overcoming. Without ignorance, there is no knowledge. And so, I think, without what most people call suffering or misfortune, there can be no test of virtue, no way to indicate to ourselves where we're at on our journey towards sagehood. Now, this might be hard to hear because what you might think I'm saying is that you should crave these sorts of things for the sake of knowing what work your character still needs. And you might be thinking, oh, so I should hope that my best friend dies just so I can tell how close to virtue I am. Real nice, Tanner. Unsubscribe. Report. Block. But this isn't what I'm saying. Instead, I'm saying, and I think again, so is Epictetus, that when these things happen, we can choose to view them as opportunities to be who and what we want to be. And it's true, we prove who and what we are in these situations, no matter whether or not we look at them that way. For example, when your dog dies and you fall into a deep depression and become a hermit and never talk to anyone again and decide if you can't have a dog, no one can, and so you become the world's first dog serial killer, that nexus point, your dog dying, still served as a means of showing who and what you were. Unstable. Weak, in a way. Scared. Entitled. Selfish. etc. But if you had framed the loss as an opportunity to take control of that narrative and define what and who you were for yourself, maybe instead you would mourn the loss. Realize your passion for dogs, go to school to become a veterinarian, open a small clinic in your neighborhood and offer free health screenings and checkups for pets on Tuesdays and Fridays, and start a non-profit to raise money for families whose dogs get cancer and who can't afford to treat those dogs for cancer. In that case, you've also shown who you were, and it's a much different person than in the first case. Part of the difference is that you chose to see the accident, the loss of your dog, the dispreferred thing, as an opportunity to choose your path instead of as a terrible thing that happened to you, instead of crying about it as if this indifferent had anything to do with what or who you were. (laughs) Thanks for listening today. I hope you have a great rest of your day. Don't forget that the Lifetime ad free deal is still available until Christmas. That's one price for no more ads in the podcast ever again. You can learn more at stoicismpod.com forward slash lifetime. Thanks again for listening and until next time, take care.